Hey, welcome to another mile post here in the V Twin Life. V Twin Life is brought to you by a few great companies. One being Crashing Clothing. You can find them out of Oregon. Great company specializing in clothes, doing work on bikes now. You can check them out at crashinclothing.com. They got a lot of great stuff. Hey, head on over there. Maybe they got something you like. And we can't forget Wild Ass. You like pounding miles, you like riding, you want to be in comfort. Hey, maybe strap a wild ass under your ass and ride with an air cushion and be comfortable for hours. And can't forget Custom Dynamics, leading the industry in lighting LED technology. Man, these guys got some great stuff. So head on over to Custom Dynamics and check it out. Now, let's get to another mile post of the V-Twin Life. Hey, what's up, everybody? And thanks for tuning in to another mile post. We're checking down mile post 107 tonight with... Don Taekwon Drashef, if I got your name right. That's right. But no, I mean Taekwon's a great, a great guy. I mean, talk about from riding multiple long endurance rides and from you know being a Hokahe challenge finisher to an IBA rally finisher. I mean, it's awesome for me, and it's great to to be able to learn from a lot of these guys to do this long distance endurance riding because I'm a fan of it. I'd love to do more of it and I enjoy it. So not only help, you know, can educate more people, but I look forward as I can educate myself and get more tips and, and whatnot. So man, Taekwon, thanks for uh, finally coming on. Now we've been working on this for a while and, you know, thanks the wrong way and whatnot. We, we finally got you coming on. Yeah. It was a privilege to be here, Denver. I, I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Oh, absolutely, man. Th- and thank you, you know, so, well, let's dive in where I liked you, man. Where did you find motorcycles? Where did it start for you? Wow. So that, that goes back uh, quite, quite a, few years so uh my my dad uh was really into motorcycles and uh still is um so i kind of grew up in the 80s and uh my dad always had harleys and bmws in the garage and our next door neighbor uh, was a guy named scooter who's still to this day one of my dad's best friends and when he moved in uh he had 12 triumphs two bsas and a norton commando and so from the time i was uh a little one. I was always around bikes, uh, but my dad would never let, let me have one. He said they're too dangerous. So uh, I had to wait until uh, I was 27 to get my first bike. And uh, I went out and bought a new uh, 2000 model Harley night train. And on two previous occasions, I had decided to buy a new Harley and my dad had talked me out of it. So the third time I didn't call him, I just went and bought it and, um, you know, figured it out from there. So, <laughs> Um, you know, I like it. Yes, yeah, so that was 23 years ago, and uh, I've probably had between 30 and 40 bikes since then. Um, I like them all. I like Har- mostly Harleys and BMWs. I've had a few KTM's thrown in there, but uh, you know, I've always secretly wanted a Ducati. And um, after ri- riding the Iron Butt Rally and seeing Mike Brook on his Hayabusa, I kind of, I'm kind of into those too. But uh, but I've always had Harleys and BMWs. That's kind of my main thing. Dude, that was crazy. I was looking through the list of guys that finished and saw, I think there was two guys on Hayabusa's, which is, I mean, I, I can understand you want to cover some miles and, you know, <laughs> cover some ground. Uh, a Hayabusa's definitely, you can get the uh, plenty of speed to get to where you're going, but it's really cool to see everybody's setups and what they're using because, you know, anything can be comfortable for that rider. You, you build the bike, you get it to what makes you comfortable, and you can set up anything you know, to fit you. And a, a good guy I got to know from doing this Von Gasfeld, who was on Instagram, that guy absolutely crushes miles with, you know, a soft tail that he's built kind of like, you know, basically the Dyna, but you know, he's a smaller frame guy and he's built it to fit him. And man, that guy just can lay down miles. It's absolutely impressive. And people can look at like how, but it's the whole part is, you know, you get a bike, you get that bike to fit you. And that man, that's all you need. Everybody's different. We all got, what works for us. And it was cool to see, look through the list of the IBA finishers, look at, you know, some of the bikes like, Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a wide variety and a lot of really brilliant riders who, uh, you know, deck these bikes out. Like the, the ingenuity that goes into them uh, amazes me. And, you know, from the time I was, uh, you know, I go back 20 years ago looking at some of these iron butt bikes and I love to walk around, take pictures of everybody's set up. 
um, look at what people are doing differently. Uh, no two bikes are the same. Um, everybody sets them up, you know, whatever works for them. You know, we're all different shapes and sizes and, uh, you know, different ages. And it's, uh, it's amazing what people come up with. It, it, it absolutely is. It's probably one of my favorite parts of it is before the rally, walking around, just kind of geeking out over everybody's bikes and, uh, you know, seeing the different setups. Oh, true. I can remember last summer. Oh, God, the guy, both of them just their names are tip my tongue, but like at the Hoka, Hey, there's two guys that had flare infrared cameras on their bikes with iPads mounted by the barge. It's like, Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. I actually bought a flare camera. I'm getting ready to put one on my road glide. Um, oh, are it, you? I've had it stashed for about seven or eight months now waiting to get the, the build finished, but uh, it's, you know, anything that helps. And I tell you, you know, if you don't do a lot of night riding, uh, you don't need one, but Man, I tell you what, the the first or second night of the the Hoka Hay last year, we we're going through Minnesota, and uh, man, I'd never seen so many deer in my life. Um, and I've ridden across West Texas where there's a ton of deer, but uh, they were everywhere. And uh, I think we had six or seven deer strikes um, just in the first couple evenings. So, you know, that made me realize, hey, if you can get a flare screen, it can give you a little advantage. Um, you know, I'm all for it. Oh yeah, that's crazy. So what made you kind of want to get into the, the long distance stuff? You know, it uh, it's, it's a great question. It, it goes back a while. Um, when I was growing up, my dad, uh, like I said, he always had Harleys and BMWs. And he was really big in the, uh, the BMW Owners Association in Alabama. And one weekend a month, they would have a camp out somewhere, usually at a state park. And they had a really big one up in uh, Huntsville, Alabama, at a place called Ditto Landing. And I remember being there when I was in high school, walking around, looking at bikes with my dad and seeing these like Ironbud Association plate holders and asked my dad what they were. And he explained it to me and uh, and he kind of frowned upon it. He didn't think it was safe. He was like, you know, people die trying to do that stuff. And so I just kind of played it off. But I kind of mentally put a little note in the back of my head, like I wanted to better understand what that was. And in 2003, I bought a uh, brand new BMW GS Adventure. Um, at the time, my wife and I were living up in Pennsylvania, and she's a school teacher, so she was working like Monday through Friday, normal hours. Um, I was working in a distribution center and was working the three by twelve night shift, and so I was off like four days a week, Tuesday through Friday. So I'd hop on that GS and uh, throw in all my electric gear and stuff, and just kind of ride all over Pennsylvania checking stuff out. And uh, that's when I, I kind of started getting into it a little bit. But then, uh, you know, life went a couple different directions, ended up selling the BMW. And uh, it wasn't until 2008 that, uh, you know, I started kind of thinking about it again. And I, I'd flown out to uh, Salt Lake City with a couple of buddies and we rented some bikes and rode around you know, uh, Utah, Colorado, Montana, Wyoming, Idaho, just had a great time. And, uh, when I came back, I liked that BMW that I rented so much. I actually bought one and my wife and I were hanging out around new year's Eve, talking about new year's Eve resolutions and stuff. And, uh, you know what? I think, uh, this is a year. I think I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to get my arm, butt plate holder. You know, I've been thinking about a long time. I've got this new BMW. I've got all the gear, you know, and, uh, and she said, well, when are you going to do it? And I thought, you know, I want to wait till the weather's right. I got a pot of route. I've got to figure out. And she said, uh, why don't you do it tomorrow? And I was kind of taken aback and then thought about it and just said, okay. So we got up at midnight. She went down to the local gas station with me. Uh, back then you had to have a witness. So she right. like, took a picture, got my gas receipt, um, Rode around 1,100 miles, was uh, back in time to watch the Alabama football game that night and, um, you know, submitted all my stuff and, and, and got my, my IBA tag. Um, but even after that, like shortly after that, I ended up uh, prospecting with a motorcycle club. And, um, you know, that takes a lot of time. Um, been doing a lot of riding with those guys. I got more into like Harley Dynas and FXRs and uh, – you know, still had a long distance bike for, for, you know, some of the long runs we do up to Washington DC and back and stuff. But, uh, really was just pretty much blasting around the Southeast on my Harleys, uh, 
you know, the, the dynos and the FXRs. And, uh, you know, a couple years later, uh, we had some guys in the club that, that did the hoka hay. And I'd never thought about doing something like that before. But when guys you ride with and you know and you've hung out with, when they do it, you know, you start thinking, man, if they could do it, I, maybe I could do it. And uh, that's kind of where the seed got planted. And then in uh, in 2020, uh, my good buddy Jeff Chauncey signed up for the Hoka Hay, and he texted me. And he said, hey, it's starting in Panama City, Florida. You know, it's close to us. Let's do this. And uh, and so I was like, heck yeah, man, I signed up. And then uh, a couple months later, felt like my heart wasn't in it. And I uh, just thought, you know what? Like, I, I'm not doing this, man. I need to buy a new bagger if I'm going to do this and just – Financially, I got some other things going. And uh, so I called Beth and uh, actually withdrew and uh, donated my entry fee to the Mile Monsters um, with the intent of, you know, reapplying in 2022. And so uh, when the 2020 Hoka Hay actually went off, I was following all these guys on Spot Wallet on my phone. And the whole time I just, I kept thinking, why am I not out there with these guys? Like, I can't believe this, like this, this sucks. And those guys rode really well. We had several guys uh, that were in it. They all did really well. And, um, you know, it just made me want to do it that much more. So between 2020 and 2022, I put a plan together to, uh, you know, get a new bike, to start racking up the miles, preparing for the Hoka Hay. And uh, a lot, I racked up a lot of uh, IBA certifications doing that prep work. And a lot of those rides I did with Jeff, like we, we crisscrossed the country at least four times um, on different rides. And so while we were prepping for the Hoka Hay, I started thinking, man, you know what? The Iron Butt Rally is the year after the Hoka Hay. They, they run them every two years and they stagger them so they're not on top of each other. And right. I started getting this idea in the back of my mind that like, you know what? Like, maybe the Iron Butt Rally too. Like something I never thought I'd be able to do. And, uh, you know, the, the, so while I was prepping for the Hoka Hay, racking up all these certifications, I went ahead and applied for the Iron Butt, Iron Butt uh, Rally. And um, while we were getting ready for the Hoka Hay, an opportunity came up um, to buy a motorcycle that was already rally prepped um, from none other than uh, James Owen himself, who at the time was the uh, only rider in the world who had won the Iron Butt Rally twice. And so when he decided to sell his bike and get a new one, I jumped at the opportunity to, uh, to buy it. I figured that would take one part of the equation out of the way where I wouldn't have to worry about the bike. I could work on myself and my experience. And, right. uh, you know, th there's a lot of time that goes into, you know, um, route planning, using Garmin base camp, um, working with your, your GPSs and stuff. Uh, to me, that's probably the hardest part. I think everybody I can imagine. Probably, yeah, yeah, there are a lot of people that can ride the wheels off the bike, but there's a whole level of complexity that comes along with it. And um, and so anyway, when James's bike came up for sale, I bought it, but I just stashed it away in the garage because I was still prepping for the Hoka Hay, um, you know, working on the Pan America. And, um, you know, that's I guess that's how I ended up here. But just a quick side note, James Owen actually just won the IBR again. He is a living legend. That was so he was the only person to ever won it twice, and he just won it for the third time. So, which is freaking amazing because yeah. if I remember, I look at saying he rode over 14,000 miles in 11 days. Yes, that, that is crazy. That is crazy. Like, that is damn. Yeah, a, lot, a lot of us thought we were putting the miles in, and uh, at the awards banquet, and they said over 14,000 miles. It was just like, wow. Like, he's on a whole nother level. And, uh, but he's a super, super guy. And, um, you know, we've become friends, you know, since I bought the bike from him. So I feel privileged to, to be one of his friends. Oh, that's awesome. And, you know, and what's cool about, you know, I mean, I follow both, you know, the Hoka Hay. It's kind of, you know, the whole turn-by-turn -turn directions. You got to navigate through everything else. But then you get to the IBR rally, It, you know, you get, you know, my understanding. I, I haven't written it, so. But basically you get, okay, you got to be, you start, say, this year, you know, Philadelphia, say, you know, be in Nashville, Tennessee in three days. And here's all the, you know, your bonus points, basically your, you know, your scavenger hunting of places to see. And it, it's really intriguing and kind of, it seems a lot fun because it's I mean, grand, you, you know, you, you got to ride, you got to put down the miles, but in a way you're seeing 
the country through a, a different set of eyes because you're going all over the place. It seems, you know, to find these little destinations, you know, get your pictures and, and whatnot that you got to do it. Or just, I think the RBR rally would be so much fun, but granted it's not something you can sign up for. You got to apply and get accepted, but it just seems like it'd be just a blast to do. And I can understand the, the mental part of it and the physicality of, of getting to the finish line, but it just seems like it'd be so much fun. You know what? It, it, it is. It, it, when people ask me about riding 11,000 miles in 11 days, it, it's you're, you're on the bike anywhere from, you know, 20, 22 hours a day on average. Um, but it doesn't seem like a chore. You know, it's like people that like to play golf, go play golf all day. It's like, if you like to ride motorcycles, you know, you ride motorcycles all day. And that's people, a good way of putting it. That's a, a very good point. You know, it's, it, it's, it's, I look at it that way. And yeah, sometimes, you know, it, there are long days and you're tired and stuff, but you know, you know what, when you're sleepy, you pull over, go to sleep, you know, take a little power nap, get back on it and, uh, and, and you keep going. And to your point, it's through long distance riding. Um, I've been able to go to a lot of places, a lot of States, a lot of neat little one-off little towns and stuff that I probably never otherwise never would have been to, you know, um, each rally master, uh, you know, puts together different themes for the rallies and, and they want you to go to unique places and see neat things. And, um, you know, I've only done a handful of rallies over the last couple of years, but each one of them took me to places that were, were really cool and, you know, places that I probably never would have gone to otherwise. So, um, it's a lot of fun. You find, yeah. You find small town America, you know, it's, you know, I say it a lot, a lot of episodes, the funnest way to travel is the two lane highways, get off the interstate and, and run the back highways, see America, see the places that you're not going to experience because so much of our population, they want to go A to B as quick as they can. But, you know, sometimes maybe taking that extra hour to take this detour on a side highway, you're going to see something that you would never would have found before. And I love traveling that way. I'd rather travel on the side highway than running the interstate any day. But of course, you know, there are those times where you, you got to hit the interstate. It's just how life works. But take the extra time and, and explore because there's so much to see with our own borders that so many people you'll never get to see and experience unless you take that extra time to, you know, put down the time to run those back roads and, and see these little mom and pop places in these small towns. Cause the scenery is, can be just absolutely breathtaking. And I've had so much fun following, you know, your guys' adventures through, you know, the IBR guys and, and the Hoka Hay and runs and even just these iron butt guys that, enjoy traveling like i mean go home ken is a great example man ken andrews that guy rides crazy amounts of miles and you know he's became a great friend but it's so much fun to see what those guys can show everybody it's like damn i want to go there and you know by me doing this you know like with you tonight and, and a lot of these guys it not only helps you know maybe other people explore and learn what's out there but i can build my own bucket list of places that i would love to go visit and that to me is the biggest joy doing this. And I have so much fun meeting with you guys and building these friendships and then learning the places that all you guys go. It's awesome. Yeah. And I, and I'll tell you, you know, another cool thing, Denver is, uh, you know, when you go to these small towns, you stop at gas stations, like you meet the nicest people. And it, you know, a lot of times, you know, you turn on the news and there's a lot of negative stuff and it just seems like, you know, everything's bad out there. And then, you know, you go on these rides, hit these little towns, and you meet the nicest people that would just give you the shirt off their back. Um, yeah. You know, and you, you think, you know what, it, there's still a lot of great people out there. And, um, you know, this is a great place to be. It's true because, I mean, I've had those instances. I mean, one time, well, actually, it was my first – it wasn't Ironbound ride. I was doing my first ride 1K in a day. And, you know, I was going through an area that I wasn't familiar with, so I kind of, you know, somewhat had my gas stops planned on Google Maps. But I got cut off an exit in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to hit the next exit. Well, by then I'm past Coeur d'Alene. And I'm like, you know, crap. Because now I'm running up these little mountain passes. And I'm like, dude, I know I'm about to run out of gas. And, you know, my gas light comes on. And I see this little, you know, sign on the side of the highway. Was Ross Lake General Store. And I seen they had a gas pump sign. I'm like, <laughs> this will be great because my gas light's on. I pull in there. I mean, because I got, you know, an 04 Harley, so I got a five-gallon tank, and I took 4.9 gallons of fuel. 
but I met this old guy that was there, you know, him and his wife are getting fuel and he used to ride. I think he said he had a gold wing, but sold it. And, you know, we're talking motorcycles and it was fun to meet those guys and interaction. And, you know, what should have been, you know, a two minute fuel stop turned into like 10, 15 minutes. But I had some, the most cool conversations with, you know, with this old farmer from in the middle of nowhere. And it is the camaraderie. What's so cool of, you know, exactly what you're saying. You get to some of these small towns, it might just be a simple gas stop, but somebody there will see your bike or maybe you got a sticker on or something that sparks a memory and you get to hear some old cool stories and you know somebody and all of a sudden is reminiscing and you know remembering stuff just because you're there on a motorcycle and it's it's so much fun yeah i was uh i was going through minnesota and it was early in the morning uh sun was just coming up and i realized i needed to uh type the chain a little bit on the pan america and uh you know, I just had the bike service before the ride I was on, so I didn't figure I'd have to mess with the chain on this ride. But uh, I pulled into, uh, I saw a coffee shop on the side of a lake with a bunch of pickup trucks outside with toolbox, toolboxes on them. And so I pulled in and went inside and asked if, you know, kind of explained situations, if I could borrow any tools. And all of those dudes came outside with a cup of coffee. Went on let me borrow some tools and they all hung out while I, I adjusted the chain. <laughs> they hung out and talked to me. It, it was the coolest thing. And I was probably only there 15 or 20 minutes. But I thought, how cool is that? Like, I'd never even been to Minnesota. And, uh, you know, it was cool to, that everybody was willing to help and interested in what was going on and, and, and came out to hang out. And, uh, and I actually ran out of gas in a place uh, called Imnaha. I believe it was in Oregon. And uh, one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. But it's very remote. And I pulled over the side of the road and I was just thinking, man, I could be here for a while. And um, within 10 minutes, th this big old industrial truck started coming up the road. And uh, so I waved him down and it was uh, a really, really nice guy on his day off. It was coming up there to cut some firewood and uh, had a couple extra gallons of gas he hooked me up with. And, uh, you know, we talked for about 10 minutes and and uh, just it, it was just a cool moment. And uh then was able to move on, but you know, it would have been very easy for him just to like keep going and leave me sitting there. So I appreciated it. That's the one place I ran the gas Eastern Oregon. When I, I had a trip planned and relying on Google maps and found the Chevron about 20 miles before Ontario, Oregon, right by the Idaho border. I'm like, cool, this will be perfect. You know, routing my fuel stops. And you know, at that time I hadn't gone that way. And, I pulled in there and the gas station was still under construction. It wasn't built yet. And then I ran out of gas about a couple miles farther down the interstate. I'm like, fuck. Yeah. But luckily for me, you know, my wife and the kids were, they were behind me in the truck. So they ran and bought a gas can and brought it back. But also happened that gas can had obviously been returned by somebody else because it was broke. Wouldn't dispense fuel. Just made for a fun adventure. I mean, it sucked at the moment, but it's, you know, it's one of those deals where you can laugh about it later. It's like, you know, just, it's all part of the adventure. Yeah, well, I tell you, on that particular trip, uh, that, that was in the Hoka Hay last year, and I started off on a Pan America, and it had some uh, problems right off the bat, and went into limp mode, so I rode like 3,700 miles, where I could only go 48 miles per hour, and then it, the stator finally fried, and it died, and uh, I got towed back 70 miles from uh, the White Sands Missile Range back to El Paso to the near, nearest Harley dealership. And um, they were closed for the evening, so I just hung out, grabbed some sleep, um, was able to get a new bike, a road glide the next morning. But, uh, you know, all my gear wouldn't fit in it. So I, I made arrangements for a, a prospect to come pick it up on his lunch break and FedEx at home. I hopped on the – it was a road glide ST, so there was no, no tour pack. So all I had was, like, what I was wearing and, uh, you know, a tire plug kit. Uh, a battery starter, a Glock, uh, and a poncho liner. Um, but getting on that road glide with the 117 in it after going 48 miles an hour for four days, <laughs> and it was extremely liberating. And, uh, and I rode that bike like I stole it. And, uh, you know, I got so into riding it, uh, probably should have paid a little bit better uh, attention to the fuel meter and, uh, you know, ran out of gas. So, <laughs> um, lesson learned, man. And, uh, and the second day I had that bike, I actually, uh, stopped and got gas 
and left my gas cap on top of the fuel pump and took off. And uh, I remember it was like burning up. I think I was going through uh, like New Mexico. And uh, I felt it starting to, to rain a little bit, a little sprinkle. And uh, I thought, man, that feels good. And uh, but then I realized it smelled like gasoline. And I looked down and realized, you know, I'm going down the road 90 miles an hour without a gas cap. And, uh, you know, <laughs> gas is like floating up. So uh, I rode about about 6,000 miles with duct tape over the uh, the uh, hole in the gas tank for that. So and uh, it, it was funny after we got finished and, you know, I was talking to a bunch of the other riders. Um, one of them was like, yeah, I brought an extra gas cap just in case I did that when I was tired. I thought, man, lesson learned. I'll add that to my list. Like that would have been handy. I always got worried about that, too, because I always had the habits like I would pull the gas pump and I'd set my fuel cap up on top of the pump but then it was you know one of those years for christmas my daughter's like hey what do you want and i'd seen in the uh rick rack little magnet yeah it's covered in like a non-stick and goes on your gas cup so you unscrew it, you just stick it to the gas tank i'm like i want this and my daughter got it from christmas and i think that's probably one of the most handiest things is like unscrew it you flip it over and you stick it right on your gas tank yeah i mean it doesn't scratch because it's got you know a a non-stick you know coating over the magnet and that was, you know, the best little inexpensive Christmas gift ever was that Rick Rack magnet. I yeah. freaking love that thing. Yeah. I know since my dad's got one, I know he bought one for his buddy Todd that he rides with. And it's just a little, I don't know if you can call it a, you know, cheap piece of security, but it's just really easy because you don't, your gas cap never has to leave your tank. It's like you just stick it there and fill up, put it back in and your gas cap's always there. So it's one of those things I love and I swear by it. Yeah. Rookie mistake, man. Lesson learned. But uh, yeah, I'll have to check out that magnet. <laughs> I'll send you the link for it. It is super handy and it, it's, you know, a little $15 piece that man can add miles of security. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, you know, a lot of the, uh, the, the other manufacturers have gas, gas caps that just flip up and don't detach. I noticed right. that a lot of BMWs and Yamahas and stuff, but, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely operator error on that one. Well, the nice thing with like you know you you know talking gas caps, but BMWs, you know, a buddy of mine, Steve, that I've been riding with a lot, like he did monsters over mountains last year, and I'm sure he's riding it this year. You know, running that BMW, I think he's got the GS 1200, 1250, the freaking 9.4 or 9.6 gallon gas tank. I'm like Jesus, I wish the range is unbelievable. And you see like. Guys, you know, running the these serious iron button IBR guys, you get that five gallon tank. It's like, dude, they have almost fifteen gallons of fuel. I mean, their distance is just unbelievable. Not gonna lie, it makes me jealous. Like, shit. Yeah, <laughs> I wish. I, yeah. So uh, the the bike I rode in the uh, IBR, it holds like right at the limit. I think it's like a, a eleven and a half gallons of fuel. Um, last Friday, I did my my Mile Monsters one hundred ride. Um, and I did it on the Pan America and I had to stop and get gas about a, every 140, 150 miles. Like it was, it was painful after being on that BMW for a couple of weeks. <laughs> There's a, there a huge difference when you can carry that much more fuel and um, you know, you can cover so much, so much more ground without having to stop. So definitely. An and save so much time. I mean, I can only imagine like, I wish it's like, you know, it kind of gets in the back of my brain. It's like, this might be something I would love to add to my, to my garage someday just for that purpose and you know it's like you always get those buck bucket list rides like you know i would love to do the dalton highway sometime all the way to prudhoe bay and you know what better bike than ride than a the bmw i mean you can't get more tried and true when it comes to adventure riding i mean i love harleys don't get me wrong the pan american seems like a great bike i haven't been on one but when it comes to adventure riding i mean bmw has been there forever yeah yeah actually uh i have three bmws and uh love <laughs> I've got a, one of them is a 1991 um, R100 GS, and that bike is bulletproof, rock solid. I would ride it to Alaska tomorrow. It's uh, it's just they're well built machines. Mm -hmm. What's the other ones? I've got a 1975 model um, R75 slash six. It's a little cafe racer. And okay. A 2018 um, R1200 RT. And then we've got four Harleys to go along with the BMWs. So, oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. I love them all, man. It's, but we're, we're 
constantly buying them and fixing them up and you know every couple of years see another shiny object and sell one trade one you know whatever we had 979 goes 1565 miles friday with four gas stops the auxiliary tank is a game changer hell yeah I bet. oh yeah 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 absolutely um you know and, and especially uh you know when you get out west where the speed limits are higher um man you can cover 400 450 miles without stopping to get gas um it, it's 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 it is a game changer for sure oh i bet it is yeah, especially in, in those situations. Plus, I mean, you can run that much longer. And you're not getting off the bike, you know, when you're really wanting to lay down the miles. Especially, I mean, I would love to do a coast, you know, the 50 cc's in the near future. and That would be huge. But, I mean, I I don't see that happening for me with, a, you know, an upgraded bike or whatnot. But I still want to do that 50 cc soon. I think it would just be a blast. And I was like doing like, the, do the border to border insanity because I'm up, you know, in western Washington, head up to Blaine. Do the border to border down to San Cedro, you know, hang out for a day and then go do a 50 CC would be just awesome. Yeah. You know, there's so many great rides out there. Like, I mean, there are even rides that like I haven't heard of. I'll, I'll see people pop up on the, the iron butt site with a ride they just did. And I'm like, Oh wow. Like I didn't even know about that one. Um, I, I know a uh, reef and solo did one last year. It was like, it started in Mexico and went up to Canada, covered three countries. And, uh, I think it was like from some uh, sport bike club out of California. Well, the, it's the uh, Three Flags run. It is an iron butt run, too. That is it. You know, I yeah. thought, never heard of it. I thought, man, I might want to do that sometime. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, there's a Three Flags, and then the there's, which I think actually might be the the SCA, the Southern California Association. And then the it. iron butt has the border-to-border insanity, which is the Mexico border to the Canadian border. Okay. And then there's also the um God, I can't remember the name. There's one more of those, but you have to stick to I five. You cannot divert your tracker or divert off I five for traffic for anything. And so they might have gave you an extra couple hours. I think it might be like a twenty six hour window, but you have to stay on I five the entire way. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of neat stuff out there. So people are constantly coming up with new stuff and doing it and you know, so it kind of it never gets old. There's always yeah something interesting. Yeah, wrong way. Yeah, the three flags classic. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you get a cool belt buckle for doing that one too. Well, it's just cool, you know, because the comical thing. I can remember years back. I talked to my dad about when I first wanted to do an IBA ride. You know, go get my iron buddy. He's like, "You're stupid. I don't know why you'd want to do that." And, oh, I mean, he gave me all kinds of shit. And it was a few months later, we're doing some work up in his garage. He's like, hey, did you see my little award, my plaque on the wall? I'm like, well, no. And I look over there, and there's his iron butt, you know, license plate frame hanging on the wall. I'm like, what the fuck? He's like, yeah, I mean, some of the guys went and did it, you know, a couple weeks ago. I'm like, and he ridiculed me, and he went and did it before I could. I'm like, you're a prick. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'll tell you, when, uh, when I did my first iron butt ride, I didn't tell my dad because I knew he would not be happy about it. And uh, he, he was down. My parents still live up in Alabama, and they came down to Florida to visit. And Dad was looking through some pictures. And uh, my wife, Susie, had baked a cake for me, like, and had it, like, when I finished from the iron butt ride, she had this cake made for me to say, congratulations on your, your iron butt ride. And uh, Dad saw the picture, and he said, what's this about? And so I told him. And he just looked at me and he said, son, I would rather you smoke pot than do that stuff. <laughs> and, uh, we got a good laugh out of it. My dad, he's you know, a military guy. He's very strict. And, uh, you know, but he, yeah, he, he doesn't like me doing all these long distance rides. And, um, you know, I, I get it. Like it was, you know, I guess when I was a kid, he was doing a lot of rides and stuff. I'd worry about him, but now he worries about me. So uh, I, I completely get it. So I try to keep him updated and let him know where I am, what I'm doing. So he didn't have to worry. Or anything. Which is and that's kind of cool nowadays. Like with you know, I've been finally got it figured out. Like with the spot wallet tracker, which I think is super cool. You know, you can share the link with friends and family so they can kind of follow along, know where you're at. And you know, it took me a little bit to figure that out, but I think that's a, a great piece to have, just to tell friends, you know, and, and those family members follow along to know where you're at. That hey, everything's okay. You're still moving, or what's going on, and where you're at. A absolutely, I think I think it's a great tool and uh, gives people you know peace of mind. When they're tracking you, uh, I would just say, uh, remember to turn off. There's a little button on there you can click 
that disguises the speed. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one that one bit me in the tail. Um, you had to explain to Dad why uh, why I was doing ninety three miles an hour in the middle of the night, and I was trying to explain to him it's like I had to get a gas receipt from this place before midnight, and you know I was really close, and you know, but you know, so lesson learned. Make yeah, sure. or you know, it's like, hey, let me introduce you to my friend Ken Hopper. Never forget Florida. Or not yeah. Ken Hopper, but uh, Ken Anders. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, I tell you, that those are some great guys, too. Guys like Ken and, uh, you know, Chris Hopper. Um, oh, yeah. They get out there and lay down the miles, and, and they're some of the nicest guys you've ever met, you know, and, and just very humble. You know, to talk to them, you'd never guess how many miles, you know, they'd ridden. And, uh, well, I that, mean, and, and they're very informative, you know, yeah, they're yeah, not, yeah. there's no ego to it. It's like, you know, Hey, I'm looking doing this. Cool. Do you need anything? You know, do you need, you know, how can I help you? You think you got stuff figured out and there's no ego to them. You know, I mean, they've done it and you know, they're absolutely amazing long distance riders and they're super informative and always willing to help you out. It's like, you know, if you have any questions, I mean, they'll answer anything and help you out however they can. And it's just, I think that's so awesome within, you take the community, you know, the motorcycle community as a whole, then I, you know, you could lump the long distance rider community inside of it. And so many of those people that, I mean, even the guys that I've got them to interact with, they're so informative and helpful when it comes to, you know, building, you know, your kit, I guess you could say, yep. you know, having something's going to work for you. Basically, you know, let's go back to like the, the famous picture, you know, you and sparks with the umbrellas. Sometimes it's those little things that somebody might think not think of that can make a huge difference when you're in a scenario where, you know, you need some shade and people might not understand why the hell you're going to pack an umbrella. Well, you and Sparks can speak to that. Why are you going to pack an umbrella in your tour pack? Yeah. And, and Denver, I'm glad you brought that up. Like I got to give Riot uh, all the credit for that. He mentioned that one time when we were preparing uh, for the Hoka Hay. And I thought that is something I've never carried on a motorcycle. Like, an umbrella thing, you know, I'm wearing, you know, rainproof gear, all this, why well, don't need an umbrella. And I'll tell you what, man, um, when it's hundred degrees outside, you're on the side of the road, that umbrella came in handy, um, adding a little shade. And there were other times since then where I've been in other rallies where I've just been in the parking lot before the rally, um, dialing in my stuff, getting all my kits squared away. And it was pouring down rain and, you know, the umbrella came in handy when I'm sitting out there, you know, dialing stuff in. So, um, yeah, I carry, carry them everywhere now. Well, yeah, and it's like, you know, it's a little piece. You can go to Walmart, maybe, what, you know, 10 bucks. It's not going to take up room in a saddlebag, tour pack, wherever you want to, you know, stick it. They're small. But, yeah, you know, that time where you got to do something on your bike or, like, you know, you guys are on the side of the road, you just need some shade. It's going to give you a little bit of that element, and it's going to help you. And it's, you know, a cheap piece of uh, security, I guess you could say, in a way. Yeah, yeah, one of those things you hope you never need, but it's uh, good to have. And see, and that's the fun thing, you know, that for me that, you know, getting to know a lot of you guys, you know, and seeing so many people, you know, getting to meet guys last summer when I was able to do the Hoka Hay meetup and see how good before you guys left. It's just seeing, you know, some of the, I guess you call it tools and how you pack and just the little things that so many people are not going to think of. And, you know, grateful to, you know, keep doing this and meeting a lot of you guys and, you know share the information, not just for me, but maybe other people listening, you know, it's, it's those little things that can make a big difference down the road. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, I'd ridden for, you know, over 20 years and never needed to repair a tire on the side of the road. And when, uh, Jeff Chauncey and I were doing our, our 50 CC ride, like I popped my front tire going through Mississippi and uh, we pulled over, and uh, man, before I even had my bike on the center stand, he was already off with his tire plug kit, you know, approaching me. And uh, he actually plugged my tire, and we pumped it up, and we're back on the road in 10 minutes. And uh, I thought, you know, it's funny, all these years I've never needed to do that. And since then, I've probably plugged four or five tires. Um, <laughs> you know, so yeah. it's like, you know, it's good to have that stuff. It's good to know how to use it. Uh, it just gives you peace of mind more than anything. And uh, especially if you're, you know, you have some kind of time constraint on the rides you're doing, um, mm -hmm. man, it, it, it's, that stuff's worth its weight in gold. You know, um, I left the, the, the phone charger 
plugged in um, on my bike in the Iron Butt Rally at the second checkpoint. And I woke up at midnight. I couldn't sleep. And so I went out to the parking lot where my bike was and saw that I'd, I'd left it on. So I unplugged it and uh, tried to crank the bike. It wouldn't crank. It had dropped to like from 14 volts to 12. And oh, shit. So it wasn't a big deal. I just I pulled out my, my jump starter, um, you know, less than two minutes, had the bike started, let it run, um, you know, made sure everything was okay, put it up. But I thought, you know, if it had been the next morning after they passed out our, our rally packs and everybody's in a mad dash trying to plot routes and you're running out there trying to get on your bike and go, like that probably would have stressed me out big time having to deal with it then. Um, so oh, I can imagine. You know, again, the, the, the jump starter stuff that I had a brand new battery in the bike, didn't think I needed it on the IVR, but carried it anyway, just in case, um, you know, and, and sometimes it's not even for you. If you can help somebody else out in need, then, you know, it's, it's great to have that stuff. So, Well, and that's exactly it's like, well, you know, I have a, oh man, I forgot throttle. Anyway, I can't remember the company at the moment, a fuel reserve bottle straps, you know, straps to my bike and it's not so much just, you know. I keep it for, you know, that emergency use, never know you're going to need it. But in the other aspects of, you know, you find somebody else somewhere, you know, another bike on the side of the road, maybe they just need, you know, that liter of gas, it's going to get them that much further. And, you know, you, you help out those within your community and it's a, you know, a cheap piece of insurance for you, or, you know, you can lend a hand to somebody else. And, you know, it's another reason why I carry it. I mean, I, I got a gas gauge, but, you know, still sometimes there might be those stretches of roads where you got to, you know, where you're really pressing your mileage to get to the next fuel stop. Yeah. Yeah. You never know your limits till you push them. So, you know, yeah. Out. Low Brock custom. That's it. Thanks, Nick. I knew he would be there. Cause I was talking about him. I sent it to a uh, wrench bender. Nick. He's like, I need some of those. too. here. I'll send you the link, man. And they come with a nice case. They strap to your bike. You can, you know, a lot of options where you want to put it. And it's a, it's a cheap piece of insurance. Yeah, you know, I actually had one of those. I, I used to have a, a little rigid Sportster uh, bobber that I carried one of those on because it had no fuel gauge. And so you just kind of get on it and wiggle it back and forth, kind of gauge how much gas you had in there, and then uh, hope for the best. So uh, I had one of those from Low Brow. That, that's awesome. Yeah, I have one. Actually, my son has one, which I mean, he's got a V-Star. It's a great bike. I mean, it's a beautiful, you know, great starter bike, a beautiful. I mean, the stylings of it are great. But I don't understand when Yanomaha, he bought the Touring model. It's a 1300 V-Star, but they didn't put a fuel gauge on it. It's like, you want to build a Touring bike, why did you not put a fuel gauge? You get the idiot light, but, I mean, there are times that idiot light is going to come on. You might have five minutes. You you never know what's left. It's like, man, that was kind of a, a stupid design on their part. But, you know, I think really, honestly, that's the only downfall I could see to that bike when he bought it. It's super comfortable, very reliable, great bike. But it's like, why does a company build a touring bike and not give you a gas gauge. Yeah, man, I'll tell you what. I have to uh, pull those engineers and see what they were thinking. Yeah. Oh, I would like to because, like, I was replacing my rear brake line the other day on my Harley, and they put clips. The frame where the swing arm and the frame come together, the subframe comes down from by your seat, and they put a plate there. And there's a clip back behind that plate. There's no room to get your fingers in there to undo that clip to hold your brake line in place. I'm like, why? How? <laughs> I end up getting a big screwdriver. It's like, hey, they sent me new clips. It bolts in the front of it. There's a clip behind it. And I end up having to use a big-ass screwdriver just to break the clip. And it's like, there's no way that you can get your fingers to it. But, it's, I mean, it's one of those spots, like, there's no reason for it because there's a clip, you know, three inches behind it by the caliper and the bolts three inches in front of it, the, you know, the line is bolted to the frame, but they just want to make it an absolute nightmare to replace that brake line. It's like, this is just messed up badly. Yeah. I tell you what, I'm a, I don't do a lot of work on my bikes. I can do bolt on stuff, but uh, I'm definitely not mechanically gifted. And uh, I am blessed that I have uh, some great friends that, that uh, you know, shout out my buddy, uh, hold on Brian Marsh, who uh, just built my road glide. Like, I, I can hold the flashlight. I can sit there and be moral support, but uh, <laughs> stuff, stuff like you're talking about, like there's no way, there's no way. So actually, hey, Frank Orlando was curious. Um, what tire plug kit do you use? Do you know what brand it was? You know what? I carry two different ones. Um, I want to say one's 
plug and go. I carry one that has the mushroom plugs in it and one that has the strips. But um, I got them from uh, Arrow Stitch. If you go to the Arrow Stitch website, they've got them on there. Okay. I just don't remember off the top of my head exactly which brand. Yeah, Frank will be in. Uh, he'll be running the Hokahe next year. He got he was one of the first accepted for next year's running. Outstanding. Frank's awesome, man. I love that guy. We call you know old man Frank. He can flat out mob, and we had so much fun with him last year doing monsters over mountains with my friend, you know, Steve and Brad Columbus and Milkweed. He's you know the boost fighter out of uh, Hermiston, Oregon. He's part of the I think the uh, Moses Lake guys. Okay, but yeah, I mean you'd be surprised. Like you look at Frank's, like this guy's not going to keep up, and Frank will leave you in the dust. Yeah. He is a a freaking riding connoisseur that will just flat out impress your ass, and he's a I great guy and a awesome friend i tell you what looks are deceiving and uh you definitely can't judge the book by the cover when uh you look at a lot of long distance riders guys that, that you think oh there's no way and uh you know next thing you know they've they've done 12 13 14 000 miles in 11 days um looks are definitely deceiving so oh yeah well i mean like was it last week frank did a, a bun burner gold from yakima to uh brainer minnesota it was like two months before that when he went down to the talker run. He did a 4K in four days. And the, he is just a riding fool, and he's an awesome friend, man. I love that guy. Yeah, I, I want to be like Frank when I get old. That's all I got to say. Yeah, well, do it, man. You can do it, Denver. Um, <laughs> you know, and that's the coolest the taco run, man. That is a great event. Um, I actually went for the first time this past year. Uh, Jeff Chauncey and I rode out there and had an absolute blast. And uh, we're able to stop by and see uh, Chris Kyle's gravesite in Austin, Texas. Oh, that'd be awesome! So, uh, that that was really, really something cool. That uh, and it was Jeff's idea. I'm usually just like I'll bolt out there and bolt back. Um, but that's one of the cool things about riding with Jeff is he always wants to uh, get off the path a little bit, and he's got things he wants to see. And and um, I, I appreciate that. Well, it's kind of like if you if you follow along with like Chris Hopper, you know, he'll be riding all of a sudden. Next thing, picture you see, he's out fishing somewhere. Like what yeah. the hell? <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. And I'll tell you what, you know, following uh you know Hop's post, there are a lot of places he's been that I've never been that I want to go. Um he went somewhere, I think it was up in Kentucky, where somebody built like a life-size replica of Noah's Ark. And uh I'd never even heard of that. And it's like on my list now of places I want to go check out. Actually, it's funny. Frank actually commented he met you at the talker run. He was with Wrongway. Oh, okay, man. Well, cool. Good to see you again, Frank. <laughs> I would look. I know Frank's like, "Hey, what are you doing this weekend? We should ride to the talker run." I'm like, I, "I can't swing it this weekend, Frank." And Frank did. I mean, yeah, it's awesome. I hope next year. I'd love to go down. It'd be super freaking cool to go meet a lot of those guys. I tell you what, the, the people that are there, like you know, the best people you'll ever meet, and uh, the the location there in Medicine Park, Oklahoma, is really really cool. Um, and and I, you know, obviously the tacos speak for themselves. They're freaking amazing. I but, love tacos. Uh, yeah, that that's an event John Levins, uh, I believe, puts together. He he's on the board of directors for the Hokey and uh, another super guy. But uh, that's a great event. Like if you're thinking about getting in long distance riding and you just want to meet some people and see what it's all about, if you're anywhere near Oklahoma, like in April, that that's a great place to uh, just go rub shoulders and meet people and you know see what it's all about. Oh, absolutely! I think it'd be super cool. I mean, you know, and the fun thing, it's like I followed a lot of this stuff for years, and now I've you know, getting to meet more people in it. I mean, I'm, I don't put near the miles. A lot of the guys do but you know, I enjoy doing some IBA rides. I enjoy, you know, challenging myself and push myself to do more. And, you know, it's fun. I enjoy it. And, you know, they're all, you know, you always meet the people like, why would you do that? Well, because it's fun. I, you know, you do one and all of a sudden you realize how fun it is. It's like, Oh, I got to do this again. And they're addicting. It's, it's a absolute blast. Yeah, it's a, you know, it's a great way to, uh, you know, get out and, and, and see the country and and enjoy it, you know, have fun. And uh, you meet the coolest people out there. Um, you know, it's funny, though, you, you know, when you start pushing yourself, trying to do more than, you know, you think you can. And then you see somebody like Hoff that rides 100,000 miles in 100 days. And you're like, yeah, you're like, you know what, if he can do that, I could probably ride a couple of days. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I think I could do three days if Hawk can do a hundred. I'll, I'll do three. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, but no, if you think about it, you know, you know, if a guy's riding solo, it's like, hey, you know, there's an event going on somewhere. It's like, well, shit, you know, that's 
1500 miles well you know okay cool maybe i can do you know a bbg and get there and then you know spend two days and turn around and do it again and it that's the fun part it's all part of that challenge hey can i do this and you know challenge yourself and you know ken anders made a good point you, you got to learn yourself to learn to know when there's difference between being tired and being sleepy and you got to learn that and you know kind of once once you figure that out with yourself and man you know it's like well, wrong way put it a great way. He goes, you know, after I got into long distance riding, everything in the country sure got a lot closer and doesn't take as long to get somewhere. And it's very true. Yeah, and I think especially if you live in Texas, if you're right in the middle, like that, that is true. Like you can be on either coast, you know, in a day, a day and a half. Um, it, it opens up, it gives you a different perspective. I'll say that. Like Very true. First, That's a good way the, of putting it. The, the first time when uh, – when uh jeff and i rode from jacksonville beach to san diego it kind of blew my mind to think wow like we leave we're in jacksonville and like 37 hours later we're standing on the beach with our boots in the water in san diego like it just it's hard for me to wrap, wrap my mind around that but then once you do it yeah. you think heck man i can get pretty much anywhere in the country in like two days like that's pretty wild um you know and in, in, in the iron butt rally like we started in pittsburgh and on leg one, I went up through New York, um, went to Vermont to the original like Ben and Jerry's ice cream location, then on to Bar Harbor, Maine, then back down through Massachusetts to uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, to the first checkpoint. And then uh, for the second- Pittsburgh leg, to Tulsa, was that three days? Yeah, it, it was, I, I want to say two and a half days, maybe a little less than three. And then uh, from Tulsa- went south down through like texas new mexico arizona i actually did a like 1738 miles under 24 hours um on the way to santa monica um damn rode through la went to santa monica pier um you know went through las vegas up through utah um, so you had better luck at santa monica pier than uh jeff did yeah, I tell you what, that was the reason I rode all night because I, I did the math and realized that uh, I was going to get there around lunchtime. And I thought, you know what, I can ride all night and get there at seven thirty in the morning, and then um, I can get out of LA, pull over on the side of the road, take a quick cat nap, you know, for thirty forty five minutes, and, and be good. And so, so that's what I did. Um, but somebody saw you. Uh, Mess five thirty three saw you at the Santa Monica. Oh no, kidding! Wow. Yeah, well, it was cool when I was uh, pulling in. I saw Mike Brook pulling out, like when I was about 45 minutes from the pier. And I knew he's one of the top riders. So that made me feel like at least I'm maybe I'm plotting my route right and <laughs> going the right way. Um, but he obviously he finished way ahead of me and uh, racked up a lot more points and miles than me. But, uh, but it lifted my spirits a little bit seeing him, you know, uh, pulling out there. So I know, like, you know, talk with, you know, Jeff last week, you know, and you know, you made the comment about using base camp, you know, plotting all of your stuff, which I'm not familiar with base camp whatsoever. Now, is that, you know, basically a, a Garmin tied with Garmin somehow for mapping? It, it is. It's a, it's a Garmin program. And um, in these rallies, the rally master usually sends out the information like uh, GPX files or CVS files. I, I get them confused. CSV files, I believe is what they actually are. And, and you pull this information and filter it and send it into base camp and it plots up little points all over the country and people have got various methods they use for you know um color coding or different shapes for different bonus points so they kind of jump out at you um i thought i was pretty high speed with all my route planning and then i realized that a lot of these guys like the iron butt rally all brought like HDMI cables and they had their laptops plugged up to these like 60 inch TVs, like in the <laughs> room where they could see everything, you know, it kind of jumped out at you. And I'm like, wow, man, I didn't even think about that. So, um, but Garmin just helps you construct the routes and then export those routes to your Garmin, like Zumo or Zumo XT device. Um, mm -hmm. a lot of guys don't use them. I don't, I don't think Ken Andrews uses, a. um, base camp and obviously he is an incredible long distance rider and, and places really well and like all the rallies um so it's just whatever you're comfortable with garmin just it's kind of a tricky program but after you play around for a little bit and you get the hang of it, it it's not so bad um i watched a lot of videos on youtube 
um, on weekends, learning how to use it, practicing, and um, you know, it, it seems to work well. But you know, there's all kind of different methods out there. It it seems from following some of the you know the forums and the Facebook group that you know Basecamp is something a lot of guys use. Which I mean, I, I've never played with it, so I know absolutely zero about it. But it seems to be the popular one to go to. So I was just you know kind of curious and you know asking on that part. Yeah, it's a it's an old program, and I don't know if uh, Garmin still supports it. But hey, it's it's what's out there now. I'm sure, like in the next couple of years, they'll come out with something better. And, uh, <laughs> like, I, I, wrong I, I, way. Go home. Ken has a, pu- a computer between his ears. <laughs> yeah, I think he does. He does. I tell you what, Ken is an awesome guy. I I probably talk to him at least once a month, and I swear to God, every time I'm on the phone, he's riding somewhere. I'm just riding, man. What's going on? And you know, you get the old half hour conversation. But Ken is so cool. That guy. I mean, I you know, honor him and privilege to have a, as a friend. Ken's a crack up. Yeah, I tell you what, I think you could probably spend a month with him and still not have heard all of his stories. Like he blows me away every time I see him. Like we start talking and, and, and I'm like, God, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you what, dude, if you've never listened to the episode on the wild ass podcast with him and Craig Johnson, you've got to listen to it. And so you can understand <laughs> butthole darts. That's all I got to say. You're going to oh, have I to listen that. to wild ass. I, I heard that one. Yep. Yeah. That was something else. I died laughing, but no, Ken is so cool. I mean, I love that guy. He's awesome. And, you know, it, it's people like him that are awesome, you know, I mean, much like yourself to to be able to bounce these questions off. You know, you guys are experienced when doing this of, hey, you know, when you're trying to get into something, I'm going to push myself. I'm going to do, you know, say a 4K in four days. You know, I, I got this, this, this in my kit, you know, and hey, you know, what do you think I need? And it's awesome to be able to get the advice that you guys can lend out because, you know, you got, are far more, you know, experienced, superior, and it's it's great to to have that friendship and be able to talk to people that can lend you the advice you need just to help the journey be smoother. Oh, I, I, absolutely. You know, I, I tell you what, I can't think of anything I do that I came up with on my own. Um, you know, everything I do, I've learned from other people and learned through observation and asking questions and, you know, trying to figure out what works best. And, um, it, you know, it, it's, it's just a great community. You know, people are, you know, I feel like, you know, in some of the rallies, you know, there probably are people competing against each other. Um, but, you know, a lot of us are really competing against ourselves. We just want to do the best that we can do and have no regrets when we finish and know that, you know, we did our best plot in the route. We, we made a good plan. We wrote a good plan. You know, um, you don't want to wait the next two years having a bunch of regrets. Like, I wish I would have done this or I wish I would have done that. You know, so um, while it is competitive, there's also a lot of sharing of knowledge and helping each other. And, um, you know, a lot of people that have been doing this for a long time and a lot of newbies, you know, like me, you know, compared to a lot of these other guys that have been on the show. Um, I'm still learning a lot of things and figuring stuff out. And um, it's great to be able to, you know, text people or call people and, and you know, get advice or, you know, we're hanging out at some of these rallies yeah. Uh, you know, it's just, it's a nice group of people you'll ever meet, um, you know. No, and, and I think you said it well. I mean, you know, just a second ago, it's, you know, so many people said, you know, the best thing you can do is, you know, plan your ride and ride your plan. And it's, you know, you can't go wrong, really, if, you know, some people might go faster, some people might be slower. But if, you know, plan the route you want to ride, plan your ride and follow it, and you're going to get from A to B to your destination. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll add in there, always have a backup plan. So plan your ride, ride your plan, but have an alternate, a continuous. <laughs> there you go. Back pocket. Uh, just yeah. To, you know, because you never know. True. You, you might need to go to, you know, Omaha. Yeah. You got to be able to throw that audible in there. Omaha. Yeah, yeah. You never know. Yeah. Exactly. So you got anything else you want to share? Any more adventures you got coming up or anything uh, in the works? You know, I, I can't think of anything super cool I've got coming up. Um, I'm also a competitive pistol shooter, so I'm gearing up for a, a big match right now. Oh, nice. But, what are you but, shooting? Uh, I'm shooting a USPSA. It's, uh, you know, you're shooting and moving, reloading. Um, you know, it's I, I'm not really into the static, just shooting it, you know, staying in front of a target and shooting it. So, uh 
um, it, it's it's brutal in the summers here in Florida, but I like to uh, get out there and shoot, you know, in the, in the fall and the winter. So uh, we got a little match coming up in uh, August that I'm training so, for. You know. Wrong way is curious. Are you going to ride Hops Rally? You know what? Um, I hope so. Um, I rode it year before last and, uh, and and had an absolute blast. And, uh, and, and I'm glad he brought that up because I, I want to throw a couple things out there. Um, there's a rally that's in uh, October and November in Georgia put on by an um, iron butt rider named Rob Leitner. It's called the Snafu Rally. And it's a one day. It's like eight or ten hours. It is like the best beginner rally for somebody who's thinking about, you know, dipping their toe in the water and getting into this stuff. Um, I did the Snafu Rally two years ago. And while I was at the Snafu Rally, uh, one of the other riders mentioned that Hops Rally was the following weekend in Texas. And so I signed up for it. And it is like, if you think like crawl, walk, run, or however, like the, the Snafu Rally kind of crawl, Hops Rally is more like a walk. It's, uh, it, it's I want to say it's like 36 hours or something, like a day and a half. So you're definitely going through the night. Um, and that's, that is a great rally to, uh, learn from. Um, and again, a lot of great riders show up for that and uh, a lot of knowledge shared. So, uh, so we'll see, hopefully uh, I'll sign up to do it last year. And, uh, same thing, like, uh, Jeff Johnson said last week, uh, the hurricane hit and I was on the ride out crew at work. And so I wasn't able to make it to the rally, but, uh, would love to do it again this year. I didn't have an auxiliary tank last time. And I uh, finished like seventh or eighth. So I'd love to come back with an ox tank and see if I can do a little better. You know, I'm going to have to talk to Hop over the winter and really pick his brain. And maybe next year's, you know, the Monster Over Mountains for next year, maybe turn that into some sort of rally. Oh, I tell you what, it's a, uh, he would definitely be one to talk about uh, what all goes on behind the scenes for orchestrating oh. a rally and putting it on. I can totally understand that. I know there's got to be a ton of stuff, but it's like, you know, this year is going to be the second year. And, you know, I've, I spend a lot of time on the phone, you know, bullshit with Riley, you know, a couple times a month. And, yep. you know, it's, you know, I've got a lot of praise for me. It's like, dude, you, you know, up in that corner, he goes, you've got something nobody else has. He's like, man, yep. don't let it die. I'm like, fuck, no, this is, it's a lot of fun. But maybe, you know, take the monsters over mountains for another, you know, the next level and turn into a rally. Oh, yeah, yeah beautiful scenery up there i bet you'd have a lot of people coming out there to do that so well yeah you'd have to come out yourself man yeah hey i'm not scared <laughs> heck yeah well shoot don man thank you so much for i know in a way it seems like this one has kind of been in the works trying to you know get you on for a while and you know everybody it's like you know people get nervous i totally get it but you know after having the wrong way and and jeff on here you're like, dude, I gotta do it. I'm like, fucking sweet. I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So hats off to Wrong Way and uh, Rambler. There, they uh, helped me build my confidence to get on here. Um, I, I kind of like standing in the back. I don't talk a whole lot normally. I just listen. And uh, so uh, I guess seeing them lead the way um, gave me the confidence to jump on here. So thanks, guys. Appreciate y'all. Hey, but you know, I mean, honestly, it's like this has been one fast hour. I, I'm not gonna lie. It's it flew by. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Denver, I've certainly enjoyed it, and I appreciate you uh, giving the opportunity to be on your podcast tonight, man. Oh, Thanks. man, dude. Hey, thank you so much for coming on, and it's like to everybody, man, you know, as the more you do stuff, the more, you know, adventures you take, everybody has an open door, man. Anybody can come back anytime and say, hey, you know, shoot me a mess. Like, dude, I had most awesome adventures last two months, this, this, and this. I'm like, hell yeah, man, come back on. Let me, I want to hear about it. Let, you know, let's share it because not only do, you know, you to share your adventures, but also it, it preserves those adventures for a lifetime, you know, down the road is, God, even, I don't want to say it because I mean, my daughter just got married, but you know, say you get down the road where, you know, all of us have grandkids, they can come back. Say, oh, you know what? You know, my grandpa did this, my grandpa did this and this and this, and it just, it preserved these stories and they, they live on forever. And to me, honestly, that's a really cool aspect of doing this is, you know, the stories that we've all taken, the adventures we've been on, they now will live on forever. And in a way, that's a super cool aspect of, you know, of why I do this also besides, you know, getting the education and learning more things and just following everybody's adventures. It's so awesome. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, Rambler and I are uh, 
really, really good friends and uh, our wives, uh, Susie and Ashley, are really close too. So we're always cooking up something and I'm sure we'll have some cool rides coming up. We'll reach out to you, man. Oh, hey, you know what? Then if you do that, then we'll just do, you know, we'll get, you know, Jeff on here too. And we'll just, you know, the three of us can shoot the shit because with three people, sometimes you can really bounce stuff off each other. And those kind of episodes are an absolute blast, man. I would okay. absolutely love it. Absolutely, and I'll, and I'll tell you this: you probably need to have an episode with a uh, with a uh, Rambler and his brother, his blood brother T Bone. Like I've been trying, I, I've been working on him. He's still, eh, I, I might do it, I might do it, but um, uh, I'm still yeah. plugging that one, trying to get that going. Yeah, they will keep you laughing for an entire hour. I promise. I would absolutely love it. That'd be awesome. I'm gonna push for it even harder now. Then right, you know you're gonna, you're gonna have to help me. You have to be in my corner pushing them to get it done. Absolutely, we'll make it happen. Right on, buddy. Hey, thank you so much, man. Anything you want to say to anybody, you know, any adventures you got coming up or that you want to, you know, get a shout out to? No, I just like to, uh, you know, tell everybody who, who's watching, thank you for watching and tuning in and, um, you know, get out there and ride your bikes, man. Heck yeah. So, hey, everybody, man, thank you so much for tuning in to Milepost 107 with Taekwon. It's been an awesome adventure. Another Milepost knockdown. Stay tuned. Uh, Milepost 108. We'll uh, link that one on Monday. But, hey, thank everybody for tuning in and joining. It's been an awesome time. So, hey, ride safe, have fun, enjoy the open road, and we'll catch you next week. Milepost 108.